in a cafeteria in Preston, Idaho, you join us at the Weird Kids lunch table. There's an empty chair right there. Why don't you take a seat? Come meet my friends if you haven't already. I'm here with Brittany and Amber. Join us. Be one of our friends as we explore the world of Napoleon Dynamite. Thanks for that intro, Lilith. That was a 10 out of 10. Very atmospheric. Um, it definitely set a tone. <laughs> I don't know if it's the tone, but it was a tone. <laughs> it's fine. Now give me so, your tots. <laughs> those were my tots. Ugh. So the great thing about Napoleon Dynamite, it's one of those movies that I have definitely watched like a hundred times. It's one of those things that came out when I was a freshman in high school. And to this day, it's still the funniest shit to me ever. <laughs> it did hold up pretty well. It's the way they filmed it. It's going to stand the test of time. <laughs> it has that quality where you can't tell what time it's supposed to take place. Is it the 1980s? Is it the early millennium? Is it the 90s? Nobody knows. <laughs> it has a hardcore 90s aesthetic going on, including the 80s in it, being that they're in like a rural town in, was it Idaho or Iowa? Idaho. Which one did I say in the intro? Because I don't I know have if no I idea. had the right one. That's even funnier. But it takes place in Preston, Idaho. It's Idaho. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was our savior state from Utah. In a rural place here, thrift stores, which is like frequent in the film, probably would have a lot of 80s stuff in it. So you've got the leftover 80s seeping in there. But I feel like it gives a lot of 90s vibes. Yeah. I did want to make a point that in the beginning of the movie, when you see Napoleon Dynamite's uh, high school card, like his high school ID, it does say it's for the 2004-2005 school year. Yeah, so, so it, it was, like, supposed to be the early aughts, it, but it's this, like, super rural time capsule town. Yeah, which is why it doesn't necessarily feel like it's from the time that it's supposed to be set in, at least. Yeah. Yeah, this town is so rural that it actually had what looks like a recess for the high schoolers. I'm assuming it's P.E., but they got to play, like, recess games. So I think it's just that there's one school area for all the grades, because, like, the kids on the bus with him were little. Yeah, it was, like, a mixture of ages, so I yeah. think they just all go to the same place for school. That's how my husband's high school was. There's actually, like, a separate little, like, grade school area with a playground for the children because it was oh. that small yeah he's from like a small tiny little place that would make sense because if you're from a small town you might not necessarily have enough people or enough funds really to build whole separate buildings for every single type of school yeah i know that we've all been looking into the movie the past couple days did anyone find any like good background that you want to talk about i mean the budget is pretty hilarious in my opinion because you got to think these guys came in to the slam dance festival with a short and was like hey look at my short which is a condensed version of this movie and then the guys were like man this is great you know what you should drop out of film school out of college and make this into a movie and the hesses were like you know what bet let's do it so so they drop out of school to make this movie and it had the smallest budget in the entire world $400,000, which, I mean, that sounds like a lot of money to us poor folk, but for an actual movie, that is a garbage budget. <laughs> John Hader, Napoleon Dynamite, got paid $1,000 for Initially. That's, that's it. <laughs> Just one grand. 
that was what he got paid for that. It's less than a shoestring budget for a full-length film. Right. And the fact that in less than a year after its release, it grossed damn near $45 million. That's insane. That's a box office hit. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Especially when you think of how much was just pure profit off of that. And honestly- Almost all of it. (laughs) Yeah, like basically all of it. So with the shoestring budget, you got a lot of the people acting in it are neighbors of the director that grew up with him in this town. So they were like people that he knew and family of the actors in the movie as well. Like, you know, the wedding scene at the end, half of those are LaFonda's actresses, real life family members. I think it makes it very charming that there are all these people that are not necessarily like big name actors. They're just the real people that just happen to be in this movie. Yeah. And I think that was a really cool opportunity for the town. Like, did you know they had a festival from like... For like four years. Yeah. Yeah. From 2004 to like 2008, just a Napoleon Dynamite Festival where they had a tot eating contest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds perfect. I I wonder if it's still going on because I'd go. (laughs) I don't think so. I wish it was because that would be amazing. Yeah, like I don't see it going on anywhere. There's a whole page on the Preston Area Chamber of Commerce site about Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, wow. I know like people from the town were interviewed and said tourists are just there because it was the setting for Napoleon Dynamite. So like people go there because the movie was set there, kind of like the place here in Connecticut that Gilmore Girls was set in. Star Hollow was based off of, was it Star Hollow? It was Stars Hollow. Stars Hollow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's like a town around here that that town was like based off of. People, like real people want to go there because that show was filmed there and people want to go to Preston in Idaho because the plane and dynamite was up there. It's like the Twilight fans salivating yeah. over Forks, Washington, which that's going to be me in the future. I will be staying at that Bella B&B. <laughs> I didn't know that was an actual town. That is a real town in Washington. Yes, it's a very small town. Yeah. So... Preston got its claim to fame with Napoleon Dynamite. It had a small budget, but it was still a phenomenal movie. I mean, the fact that John Hader was like, you know what? I'm going to create all these drawings myself. (laughs) Yes, it's so good. (laughs) Except for the unicorn drawing. All of the drawings in the movie are his. (laughs) And I love that. His liger is superb. I want that to be my spirit animal. It's just his drawn liger. His, uh, his portrait, fantastic. 10 out of 10. Yeah, Amber, with you being the artist in the group, <laughs> go ahead and give us a little bit of a review of uh, his artistic oh skills. Oh my god, let me pull up the drawings. I was just pulling up the drawings too because I haven't <laughs> seen them in like so long. <laughs> to be fair, they're not, they're not all that bad. The, uh, okay, they're all that bad. <laughs> but like, he wasn't an <laughs> artist. For somebody who like clearly doesn't do art, it was good. I think it would have been like too much for him to have actually been good at art he that's perfect he gave me enjoyment i enjoyed his art it entertained me they were fun pictures like as a high schooler i would have probably printed those out and tacked them on my wall oh yeah for sure now people make like stickers and keychains and and shit of them And it's funny because like I watched like a few videos to kind of like jog my memory about the show and just listening to people talk about it. It was surprising how many people actually thought that ligers were not a real thing because of Napoleon Dynamite or like not necessarily because of Napoleon Dynamite, but like they saw these drawings and they were like, oh, well, like ligers are not a real thing. But ligers do exist in real life. Yeah, he just kind of drew them kind of like wingless sphinx. 
Yeah. Their faces uh, were a little too human when he drew them. Yeah, he gave them the kind of human-ish faces and spines for some reason. And in some depictions, I don't know when I'm Googling this, some of the depictions have like a sort of spiked club tail and yeah. others don't. So I don't know which one is, is the one that he actually drew in the film. The spiky tail and the spikes down the back are in the film. Okay, that makes sense. Because like I see the spikes down the back in a lot of these, but some of them have like a regular lion tail and some of them have the spiked tail. So the it's like a tail. mace. Yeah, like a mace yeah. tail. Yeah. <laughs> so leggers do exist, but they do not have spikes, human faces, or mace tails. No, they're not dragons. They're just yeah. big cats. <laughs> Very well, big You cats. know, Napoleon Dynamite was a sweet ninja who had to use his ninja skills. So he just <laughs> depicted that kind of energy into his drawings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest here. 10 out of 10, I would have dated a Napoleon Dynamite. I, th- I thought he in was... In high school? I thought he was in super high school, cute. I would have dated him. His weird little perm and all. Which, talking about perms, I just find it so funny that John Hader was like, I'm going to commit to this role. And he got a perm. You have to live with that for like six months to a year, especially when you're a guy and your hair growth isn't as like extensive. Like that's six months to a year's worth of commitment having that perm. And honestly, sometimes more because like I know my mom when I was younger got a perm and it just stayed that way. Like, yeah, sometimes yeah. that happens. Her hair is still to this day pretty curly because you just permed it and it just never went back, I guess. Like, it's not exactly the same as whenever it was first permed, but it's still curly now. It's pretty harsh chemicals in your hair. I mean, it changes the entire, like, integrity and structure. Like, there's a science behind it. I just don't know and I don't care enough to figure it out. But it changes the whole business of your hair. The hair so it doesn't. Yeah, the hair business. So it doesn't surprise me that it could potentially have a permanent effect it's perm in it (laughs) god damn it (laughs) Lilith. yeah there are a lot there are so many good characters in this movie though they're so relatable deb deb yes she like deb she like barely speaks in the whole movie don't need her to i like kip Oh, I love Kip. The guy with the American pants that likes to do roundhouse kicks. Can't remember Rex. his character's name. Yeah, I couldn't remember his uh, character's name. I just call him roundhouse kicks. <laughs> I just watched the movie again today, so the names are a little bit more fresh in my head. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Rex is cool. Like, I always liked Diedrich Bader. I'm glad he took the role. Actor. Yeah. I feel like he was pretty well known by this point, too, because this was after he spent however many, well, I don't know how long the the Drew Carey show went on for, but that's what I originally saw him in first. Well, I know that he decided for this movie because in an article I read, I can't remember which article, but it stated that after he read the script, he thought this was the funniest film he read since like Office Space. Hmm. I could see that. So he was on board just from reading the script. That makes sense. That's kind of like the gist that I got from like a lot of the folks when they were interviewed about this. They all kind of like said that they thought it was amazing. A lot of them were willing to sign on for pretty like not that much pay because they just believed in the project. I mean, this is coming from a fresh out of college dropout. It was a real gamble to get on board with this film. Oh, yeah. Like, what were they going to do if this didn't succeed? (laughs) 
They put I mean, all like, their eggs in one basket. Like some of these folks, they had a career outside of it, but like a lot of people, this is also kind of like their breakout role. I think grandma in the movie, this might've been like, I don't know, she's been doing stuff forever, but she goes on to become Mac's mom and always sunny in Philadelphia, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's John, it's John Hader's uh, breakout role. Yeah. Yeah. So he wouldn't have had the success as an actor as he did if it wasn't for this movie. The grandma was Sandy Martin. That is that actress's name. Yeah. I love her as Max's grandma. Oh my gosh. So, so good. <laughs> I said grandma, but it was his mom. Yeah. The, uh, as they say, human cigarette. Yeah. She just, she was a freaking chimney. Oh, but... Deb went on to have a pretty, uh, prominent role in Grey's Anatomy. Oh, wow. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, so I had no idea, but good for her. I didn't either. She also had a pretty long-running part on Veronica Mars. Huh. I haven't seen in so long that I wouldn't have known that it was her in there. Yeah, this so, was some old-running drama series. Is that what you would call them? I mean, I know Grey's Anatomy is a medical drama. Yeah. Yeah, I consider it. Yeah, it's like, it's a drama. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, she was in Waterworld. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I liked that movie a lot as a kid. It's not a good movie. No. But no. Tibby really liked it for some reason. <laughs> Sometimes the movies we like are uh, interesting. I'm sure you, like, grasped onto something. It's, like, the reason why I like certain movies. They don't have to be good movies. They just have to entertain me. So if there's an entertaining quality to it, I will latch on to that, and I will love that movie to pieces. A prime example is Joe Dirt. It's not a particularly good movie, but it's the funniest movie in the entire world to me. And I will laugh every single time I see it. We should talk about that movie sometime. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I love Joe Dirt. Like, Who doesn't love Joe Dirt? Yeah, I feel like that one's pretty universally. Is that another like, cult classic? I've, is that I considered a cult classic? Isn't that one of Adam Zantler's Happy Madison films? Or no, I don't know. I mean, it's during that era when he was producing a lot of fucking films. I'm going to look that up. The internet calls it a cult classic, too. It calls Napoleon Dynamite one, too. Um, I was also looking at the other actors. Happy Happy Madison was involved in it. It was? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was looking at the other actors because, like, I really liked Farmer Lyle. Apparently, he passed away last year. Like a year ago, like in February. Was he the one that was the real-life neighbor of the director? Yeah. He said, my wife called Jared Hess's mother and asked if one of her boys was there. He came over. He had a friend with him. I drove the truck out to the pasture and the sheep came over. They grabbed those bucks and pushed him into the truck and we got them out of there. Like he was just doing stuff for him. And then they were like, hey, you want to do the scene real quick? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, hey, can you come over and help with chores? And then the guys were like, hey, can you be in this movie? That's an interesting add-on, especially for one that ended up becoming such a widely known movie. Yes. That guy became famous, essentially. like Dale Critchlow, I think, is how you would say that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I had to go into a different thingy to see the entire cast and crew. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many fun facts about this movie. Yeah, and it's hard to kind of talk about like a storyline because there's kind of not one. Like it's it's literally just like a slice of life for this town. So that's something that I saw in a lot of the videos. I posit that there is a storyline though. A little bit. Like there's a little bit in there, but it's not like there's not like the whole 
thing that you usually get with movies where like there's this huge arcing storyline and there's like some big blow up problem thing that they have to like rush around to solve. I feel like they're big blow up in a sense that I'm using quotations when I say blow up because it's not really a blow up, but it's like their their peak, their middle, as you say. It's the whole vote for Pedro thing. That whole campaign to the end when it ends with Napoleon Dynamite's sweet, sweet dance moves that he prepared half that movie for. Yeah. To help Pedro win for class president. Yeah, I guess I would consider that a conflict. Um, yeah. So there is like a conflict. And then to me, the story is like really about Napoleon. Because at the start of the movie, he's being bullied by other people. He's not taken seriously and, and like kind of picked on by like the people in his family. He's kind of just like not doing great. And like he doesn't really change a lot through the film other than like the the sort of like impetus i guess for him to change and and find new stuff is going to those martial arts classes with rex <laughs> and it- meeting pedro like making friends with pedro was a really good catalyst for him to kind of open up yeah cuz it yeah. kind of seemed like he didn't have any friends before that why i think that rex is the catalyst for this kind of stuff is that he teaches napoleon dynamite a few things or like gives him a couple pieces of advice that I think that Napoleon takes to heart. He basically tells them that if you want people to like have your back, you got to have their back. And like, that's kind of, I think where he starts to, because he makes friends with Pedro and then he has these experiences with honestly, both Pedro and Debbie where they're kind of doing him a solid to an extent. And then he's like, well, if I want to make friends, which I think is actually part of the, the arc to the show is him you know learning to make friends and like learning to find his people essentially and i Uh, agree with that i think that was really a big point of the movie and he like literally thinks about it well like these people seem to have my back how do i have their back and he does things to show that he has their back and i think that that makes them all closer as friends or it helps bloom those friendships yeah so like i think this is a a story about somebody who like is kind of neurodivergent finding their people their tribe essentially learning how to be a good friend to me that's the storyline well he's got like two primary conflicts he wants to help him run for school office with debbie he wants to get close to her but doesn't quite know how there's that sort he of like, likes her, her and he yeah. doesn't know how to express it yeah and it's kind of endearing to see him try it's really I, cute i love it so much i love them so much i hate uncle rico for being a creep to deb to sell his titty pills or whatever the fuck it was that whatever pyramid scheme he was in on that time i think they're titty pills where it's like yeah if you take the supplement your tits will grow yeah <laughs> he should have stuck with tupperware he should I feel like it wouldn't have moms in the Tupperware, but it wouldn't have been as bad if he wasn't like Napoleon said that you would like this. Right. He I mean, that's the thing with Uncle Rico is I think and this is going to be a spicy take, but I think he was unintentionally creepy. I think a he's also autistic coded. I think that whole family gets got the tism. I think (laughs) it's genetic. I think they all got it. Okay. two, I think Uncle Rico was just trying to do what he thought would make sales. He thinks he's sexy. Therefore, he tries to emit this aura to make those sales. Like how he was with the Tupperware and the moms. The way he sold things was very... <laughs> like 
he was he, he was thought trying he to was smooth yeah the, yeah he was trying to seduce the product like seduce them into buying the product and i think that's what he was trying to do with the other pyramid scheme which was the titty pills and i think he was thinking he was coming off as smooth and like yeah you're totally gonna want these you're gonna have attention from guys like me <laughs> which did the opposite nobody wanted these titty pills no, I disagree. I don't think anyone that's creepy does it intentionally. I don't think anybody when they're doing their thing or what have you thinks they're creepy when they're doing it. But like, I don't know, regardless of like whatever you're trying to sell and whatnot. One, like he's definitely not smart. Like he peaked no. in high school. Yes. It seems like he's just stuck in like his in his high school peak. He thinks he's still that person from high school. And it doesn't seem like he really tried to better himself at all like after high school. So I think he's just kind of dumb. And it doesn't seem like he really does like he doesn't really have like friends or anything it seems like he just hangs out with like his family and like keeps trying to like record himself like throwing a football and stuff so i think he's just like kind of stuck in these this like glory days thing and like yeah he's trying to like sell stuff but it's not really like it is really dumb to try and sell the children because they don't have money and these like supplements or whatever he's trying to sell are probably pretty expensive because that's how mlms are like the stuff that they sell is really expensive so like a child is not really going to be able to afford it in the first place so even if he was like trying to sell it i can under like i can see that like he's probably like too dumb to get that like these kids aren't really going to get it but also i think it's i think it should be pretty obvious to anybody that talking to children like that is just not good even if you're like socially awkward or what have you like i don't think he has the social skills to realize that was bad that's where i'm getting at i i don't think he realizes what he was doing was weird. He just saw girls that were in puberty, had their boobs, and was like, hey, they might buy this product because they'll want to look like models, like this model on the pill bottle with her big gigantic bazookas. <laughs> like, so, I definitely get where you're coming from. I just, yeah. I just don't see... I just don't think he was intended to be a hated character. I just think he was intended to just be this this weird uncle. Like, well, he, he's yeah. a weird uncle. He's he's definitely not intended to be a bad character because the, the story doesn't punish him in any way for doing these things. But I don't think that that means that he wasn't in the wrong or that he wasn't or that he shouldn't oh. or that he wouldn't have known better. Like, because oh, it's I... necessarily social like stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, he, he's speaking to children. And I think it's kind of a like, even if you're not like socially like there, like you kind of know that you got to be careful when you talk to children. Yeah, I'm not saying it was uh, right. It's definitely a wrong thing to do. That That is something we will full-heartedly agree on, is that that is predator-like behavior. But also, I try to keep in mind this is 2004, and that was the type of humor back then. Because remember, uh, was it like, there was even that Oingo Boingo song where it's like, I like little girls they make me feel so nice yeah like that was a, that was a whole sticking humor point back in those days and like like i'm pretty sure there was movies pedophilia that... was a goat or was like no I mean, no not but... not pedophilia but the high school girls joke like like the like the high school girls like i keep getting older but the high school girls stay the same because you think about the old ryan reynolds movies right yeah like that was that whole thing like american pie what was the ryan reynolds movie i don't know but dane cook went with with waiting like that whole thing was kind of fucked up because he did he waited till that waitress turned 18 <laughs> oh yeah like, like that was a whole thing in the early 2000s like that was a whole movie thing <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't mean it's right. I'm just saying that was the humor. 
I I don't know. Like, I, I don't necessarily, like, during certain points in time, it was more, like, socially acceptable to find certain things humorous. But I, like, I, I don't know. Like, like it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it. it it's still definitely a thing. But also... But also- it, I mean, it did exist. It it was in media, but I don't know that people necessarily like. I I don't think that all people necessarily found it funny. I know that there was definitely like a lot of people that did. But it was definitely I don't know. a I, thing that they made a lot of jokes about in the early two thousands. I and, uh, I also don't necessarily excuse any movie for that. Uh, no, to be honest, you don't. I, you I don't, don't have to. Like, <laughs> and, and I and I really like necessarily don't either. But I'm just saying that was that was a normal humor. In the early 2000s, there was a lot of movies that made similar jokes. Yeah. It was definitely a style. It, it was it it wasn't the style. It was a style. It was a like choice. It, yeah, it was a uh, not a good choice, but a choice. But like obviously, the movie's going to be a little dated because it's from the early aughts. 2004. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, it's 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 uh it's definitely going to have like some stuff that's like that's dated. So yeah, I would say that like the um normalization of sexual harassment towards minors is like uh something that hasn't aged well. Uh no. It it uh, has not. That is that is a real issue. That's always been an issue, but now it's people don't laugh at it. <laughs> oh, one other disclaimer before. Like if somebody hasn't watched the movie and for some reason is still listening to this podcast episode. Uh, another disclaimer is that there is one animal that is killed in the movie. It is off screen, but there is an animal, a single animal death, at least in this movie. The animal wasn't and actually hurt. It, it wasn't no. actually. Yeah, yeah and it, it wasn't it, actually hurt. So like a, a fun fact about that is it was inspired by one of the experiences of like that the writer actually had growing up. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I that was in the, that. I don't know how accurate that is. It was in like the IMDb Fun facts. I mean, I could definitely see it because I mean, I know my bio dad when I was a kid did something similar with the family dog after they like bit my sibling. So in like rural areas like that, it's it's just what's done. Yeah, yeah like because you don't want your like you know animals to suffer if they're. And yeah. why we're talking about animal cruelty? Let's talk about the uncomfiness of the capital like the capitalism of chicken keeping because oh, that scene yeah. was rough that's how a lot of chickens are kept um unfortunately like it's yeah, not it well and it's that's not good <laughs> that's why the that's why that bird flu that went around was so effective and impactful of like damaging those animals because they are so close together and even when you have like your own coop at home they're pretty close together but they have like areas to walk around versus just being in like little tiny cages where oh, they yeah. just poop eggs all day mm-hmm. that just kind of made me sad the animal industry is gross I love to eat meat. I love meat. But man, I wish there was a better way to source it than what they do because it's pretty gnarly. And chicken is one of the big ones, too, because there's a monopoly. Tyson owns basically all the chickens. There's a monopoly on everything. Like, I think there's like four companies total that just owns the world, like at least owns America. (laughs) Yeah, with Tyson, they have this death grip on like the poultry industry and chicken. They set up farmers in such a way that they only have enough to barely scrape by and not actually like make any real money for themselves so that they are completely and utterly reliant on the company for everything. If a farmer starts producing a little bit more or something like that, they'll adjust their feed or something like that so that they will grow less. The amount of feed that they're fed is controlled by Tyson and not the farmer. 
So Tyson will like tell them, okay, you have to feed your chickens this much now. Like they just have to do it because they're given that amount of feed from Tyson that they still have to buy, by the way. Yeah. But Tyson will say, this is how much you have to buy. And that's just how much you have to pay for it. So it's ridiculous. But yeah, and then they're kept in these tiny cubes. Yeah, they're stuffed. You can see like their sides and feathers just sticking out of the sides of the wire cages. And wire cages is how you get weird club feet and chickens. Mm -hmm. It's just like, come on. If you just took care of the chickens, they were normal pets or normal animals they would still produce a lot of eggs yeah like i know multiple people that own chickens and like one of them they have the chickens for eggs and for eating and the other ones they're pets that just produce eggs but like both of them treat their chickens very well Mm. there's no reason for all that and also let me just talk about how like when they go to lunch and that was the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life i hate eggs and so for me it's like a nightmare like egg juice he just cracked open yolks stirred it in a pitcher and was like here's your drink yeah he sipped it he's like it's good come get some like oh hell no hell no that's nasty something funny about that scene is that i think that drinking like raw eggs or something like that is a thing with the director and it's like symbolism for gaining strength or something like that because it happens again in nacho libre afterwards i mean people do that especially if they're like bodybuilding and stuff it's extra protein but it's that texture i could not oh it's sitting in the sun it's like those egg salad sandwiches i like egg salad but that shit's just sitting outside that's eggs that's mayonnaise it's getting warm i've taken food safety courses and it's not safe to do any of that but yeah like like, i was serve safe certified so i took like the the big daddy courses and shit (laughs) yeah i think that was what i took too is serve safe yeah it's not good to have that stuff hanging out in the sun unrefrigerated for who knows how long and then they pay napoleon six dollars and change he said it was like a dollar an hour an hour Yeah. The other thing, too, is that in the U.S. specifically, because there is so few regulations, the reason why in the U.S. eggs are usually pasteurized is partially because you are more likely to get sick from something like that because of all the weird shit that people do here in terms of raising and whatnot. Because our um, standards are shit. Yeah, our standards are shit. So like, Our standards are shit and our animals have diseases. Yeah. It's probably not very safe to eat raw American eggs, which which is probably what they were eating, which scares me a little bit too. Yeah, I doubt they were like pasteurized like they should have been. Yeah. Especially coming from a quote unquote local farmer. Yeah. Eggs are so gross. I cannot. I, I actually really like eggs personally. And uh, I even I have like- to be in a mood. I have to. I have to be in the mood for eggs. I will but be when I'm in the mood. I love eggs. I will be in the mood for like a dippy egg and I'll make it and I'll get halfway through eating the dippy egg and then it'll start tasting too much like egg and I'm disgusted. So gross. I love I will dippy say eggs. That the farm fresh eggs, like the ones that you just get from people that just have normal farms where they raise their chickens normally and whatnot and you can just go out and pick them or whatever. I grew up around a lot of places, around like a place that had like a lot of little farms and stuff like that. And those ones taste totally different than I I can't do them I can't eat the eggs from like my mom's neighbor from her bestie I can't eat those eggs they taste too much like egg I baked zucchini bread with those eggs and I couldn't eat the bread because I just tasted egg I'm way too autistic for eggs (laughs) that makes sense I think everybody with like some kind of like neuro spicy people yeah neuro spicy folks yeah because I definitely have some things like that cottage cheese oh mine is fish 
I really yeah. want to like fish, but it all tastes like creek water. I'm sorry. I hate it. Fish on paper, in pictures, even in restaurants, look delicious. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to take a bite of that. I take a bite out of it and it tastes like I swallowed creek water. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. Fish has a really, like, I don't really like fish either. Like, I've gotten a little bit, I, I like it a little bit better now than when I was, well, I didn't eat it, like, at all when I was growing up. But now I'm, like, okay with some of it, but it has to be fresh because if it's not, then it just tastes like super, super fishy. Speaking of fish, my favorite pickup line of all time, I caught you a delicious bass. I caught you a delicious bass. (laughs) It's the best. has great one-liners there's so many and i forgot like how many i use all the time yeah because napoleon dynamite i don't know if he's like relatable to the audience but he's relatable to us (laughs) yes i love him i also really enjoyed pedro's cousins the cholos oh so i would roll with them they are so fun yeah you would you you would be like buddy buddy with those dudes i absolutely would i don't know what's so funny but pedro going if you vote for me all of your wildest dreams will come true slays me every time it's so good that's like his slogan yeah your wildest dreams will just come true yeah and they voted for it rightfully so right like rightfully so i mean after napoleon's sweet sweet dance that is now a world of warcraft dance yeah the is blood it of really males do that yeah the oh, blood yeah. of males dance animation that it's the napoleon dynamite oh my god <laughs> yeah it really is oh my yeah. god i love this movie so much and then tina oh my god when he when he goes to feed tina he's like come here tina you fat lard it's time for dinner i'm just gonna start uh, saying oh. that to my cats like eat the food <laughs> the llama yeah <laughs> and then grandma getting it at the sand dunes i was trying to read her shirt i kept rewinding it to read her shirt and it was something like i got divorced because he was into religion and he thought i was god that's what i read on the t-shirt oh, <laughs> i was like i'm sorry what, what? <laughs> the grandma's like, t-shirt when she was in the sand dunes i had to keep rewinding it to, to try to read it that's pretty awesome <laughs> oh man something i literally just found clicking around the imdb is that the person that played summer wheatley is actually hillary duff's older sister what yeah yeah Yeah. she's a duff oh by the way i found the exact shirt so i can read you the exact quote my husband and i divorced for religious my husband and i divorced for religious reasons he thought he was god and i didn't Uh, oh my gosh it's like those it's like those freaking facebook t-shirts yes Oh, that are like oddly specific. Yeah. I had it a little jumbled, but I was almost on the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're really close. That movie is just a treat from start to finish. Please. And then Kip's whole love story with LaFonda. I love them oh, yeah. so much, too. They're so that was good. Like my favorite part. Um, like, even when I was younger, because like uh, when I was younger, when I first saw it as a kid, I actually did not like the movie. Um, I thought it was boring. As an adult, I was able to see the charm of it more. But even as a kid, I, I liked Kip and LaFonda's whole thing. They were just really cute together. Kip is a precious cinnamon roll. They're just so cute together. He's like six feet tall and he's just a short king. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, that actress is exactly six feet tall. Her I name, felt that. Her name is Chandrella Avery. Because I was like, she looks like she's my height. <laughs> yeah. I was correct. I guessed that correctly. Oh, she's been in all kinds of stuff. I was like curious that she's been in other stuff because I really liked her. It's crazy to see how different the actor that played 
Kip looks. I was oh, thinking outside that. of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Like his IMDb photo doesn't look like Kip at all. <laughs> yeah, he's 5'8 and she's 6 foot. Yeah, no, that, that felt correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's adorable. That was my guess. Okay, so they're about difference in height between me and Brittany then. Yeah. I just love like the like instant makeover that she gives him. Oh yeah. He kind of starts off being like, oh, and then he like at a certain point he's just like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of accepts it. It also seems like he's having fun with the whole thing. Like he says that she's the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. It's so cute. And she's just like basically just like showering him with gifts and like affection and stuff like that. And being like really sweet oh no i didn't like that oh no the chick that plays rex's wife is yeah uh, uh, she's a uh, she's trumpy oh Ooh. i'm kind of not surprised to be honest i wanted her to be cool no because <laughs> she's a female bodybuilder and like my cousin was a female bodybuilder for a while, and some of those ladies can be, like, wicked cool, but this one's not. So we just, we're just gonna skip right over that. <laughs> you. Yeah. No thanks. No thank you. No thank you, please. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we're not that kind of <laughs> voter. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I mean, like, we are the opposite. I feel like it's a, it's a little obvious that... Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna be, like, listening to this podcast up to this point and thinking, like, oh, yeah, like, maybe they would be into that. <laughs> Just wait till they ever see us, like, live stream an episode. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we know what you like. <laughs> but yeah you look exactly how you sound (laughs) that'll be interesting it'll be interesting if if people think that we look like we sound yeah that would be a fun thing to to figure out we could have a poll afterwards or something yeah one day if we do a face reveal episode (laughs) yeah that'll be good yeah but i mean overall what would you say you would give a napoleon dynamite for me it it gets a solid eight out of ten i think that's fair because like there there are things that like date it a little bit there's like one instance of them saying the r word in there and like clearly you don't say that anymore but like in the early aughts people did very that was a very used word i am guilty of it back in 2004 i think everybody that was like our age then or even like vaguely around our age then probably said it and if they say they didn't they're probably fucking lying yeah yeah no i definitely remember that i also said that like when i was younger oh yeah Uh, yeah along with the f word that was a big one in the early 2000s too that was thrown around a lot yeah the the f slur yeah that was yeah uh, that was oh, thrown okay. around I, a lot i, I yeah. know what you're talking not, about not not fuck. not fuck. Yeah, i was like, thinking, yeah. I was like I say fuck all the time no <laughs> not not that one the other no. one okay i know which one you're talking about honestly i've only ever said it when referring to an actual bundle of sticks and you know what i remember that because you were that type of person to be extremely literal with your words yeah <laughs> so i've only ever said it in that context as a joke it's the mental um, illness yeah <laughs> it's listen i i was an absolute degenerate and i'll own that we were the early 2000s like the internet was the fucking wild west everything was loosey-goosey you did some shady shit you well, like the internet was shit. new too like the internet was still like relatively new for like everybody to have access to it yeah and it was like really you could do whatever the fuck you want yeah and i feel like it I was, was in a lot of 
dark corners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I remember being at your house looking at some, like, crazy shit. On there. I was not but- a 4chaner. That was not my bag. What I did was a lot of crazy fan fiction. I, uh, as Gaia. a dumbass. Yeah, Gaia, as a dumb teenager, I would oh, catfish yeah. on AOL because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Everyone oh, yeah. always thought I was a dude when I would talk to them online. It happens still. Like you you yeah. exude masculine energy. I feel like that's not a bad thing. Good. <laughs> I feel like you are good at being neutral and then you do good M times and good mask times. So like it depends I on like, like who I'm texting with. Yeah. Also, like with how Wild West shit was on the internet back then, I'm really surprised that LaFonda was who she said she was. Oh yeah. yeah. That was something I was pretty surprised by too. Because like she was real. <laughs> yeah. And she was like that- super into Kip and it was really cute. Yeah. If so it was that- like the first time seeing an internet relationship like work out and yeah. not be MTV catfish. Yeah. For real. <laughs> that, that was like that was a good one. That was a nice little gem in there. Cause there was definitely a lot of like crazy shit that went on back in the day. I know I was definitely doing some like catfishing on Gaia. What was it but sexual gasms? <laughs> no. <laughs> was one of my usernames. Yeah, I mean we then, we did that. I, I think Britney's was but sexual cherries. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We were really bad, but we grew up. It's and fine. that's what matters. Yep. That's, yep. that's what growing up is. You you enter the cringiest time in your life and you exit the cringiest time of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like there's definitely still like craziness that goes on online and stuff like that, but I feel like the internet is a lot more partitioned now. I think it's because we stay <laughs> in our age group. I'm pretty sure if we somehow stumbled into teenage territory, it would be the most unhinged shit we'd ever see. That's a good point, yeah. Because I'm still very youthful. There's still, like, a lot of things that I like that are made for children. But put ages on that stuff. Everybody could like that stuff. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. Doesn't matter your age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's silly to, like, say that only kids can enjoy media that's made for kids because a lot of times they make it so that the parents can enjoy it, too. Except for Caillou. Whenever it started getting to, like, Twitter and, like, what was it? Chat. Snapchat? That was it. Snapchat was where I completely lost the youth's. I think I have a Snapchat. I, I downloaded Snapchat and I'll be honest, I do not see the appeal of it at all. But then again, as someone with a memory disorder, essentially not being able to see like my history of texts, I don't like that. So like the basis for the whole app is something that just by its nature doesn't mesh with my uh, disability, essentially. So like, that's fair. We yeah. got so off course. That's usually how it goes with these things, but it's still related to Napoleon Dynamite. We're all very mentally ill, so this happens. Yeah. 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 At least we didn't talk about childhood trauma. (laughs) That's a a different episode. (laughs) There was a little bit in there, uh, but it was subtle. That's a that's a different episode. That's a different time. If this is posted somewhere where you can have comments, let us know. <laughs> if you caught any. <laughs> I'll put traumas just in here. Well, you can make it a weird kids lunch table pod drinking game. Take a drink every time we talk about childhood trauma. Please don't. You might get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say we might have to tone it down if we're alcohol poisoning. We're gonna make it a legit drinking game. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just to to try to give some final thoughts here. I'm I'm swinging back to I believe it's a solid eight out of ten. I think the acting's great. The camera shots are great. I think overall it felt like an indie film, and I loved that, especially since it was like an MTV presents. It was definitely a little bit different than what MTV was producing then. And I really had a crush on John Hader back then. So yeah, I liked it. <laughs> he was very cute. He's still very yes. cute. He is still very cute. <laughs> I have a type and it's like Michael, Sarah, John Hader type of tall, scrawny white man. I, I feel like if I had to choose two people that your husband was a blend of, that would be it's it. It's those so. two. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, oh, no, he's like if they had a baby. <laughs> yeah, he, he is the result of an impact and preg fan fiction between <laughs> oh, Michael, no. Sarah and Snowpoint. Oh, no. But yeah, I could definitely see that. You know what? I was actually thinking 8 out of 10 as well because it's like a solid movie. It's got this timeless appeal to it. There are bits of it that did not age well, but overall the story hits well and there's a lot of charm about it. Performances are really good, even from people who were not actually actors that just had parts in the film. I thought they did a really good job. It's overall like a really good movie. I do recommend it. I also recommend people watch the Sock Baby short films and which John Hedder and his twin brother are both in the fourth installment of it. I don't know. I just like to plug that stupid miniseries anytime I can because I fucking love it. I'll <laughs> we'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'll definitely have to give it a watch. So what about you, Amber? What are your final thoughts? I, I think an eight's fair. Like I was looking at what it has on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, and it's got like seventy two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm surprised isn't like a little bit higher. On IMDb it's got a six point nine out of ten, which I am also surprised isn't a little higher, just cause like I've never met somebody that like just says they hate the movie. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I kind of did when I was younger. I liked parts of it, but like I didn't really like it as a whole as yeah. a kid. And I mean, there, there has been some kind of some like polarization yeah. to it as well. Like there are some people, I imagine that solidly neurotypical people probably do not like this movie. Oh, probably. I mean, like there's a couple parts that like I really like. I usually don't like too many montages in a movie, but there's the montage of them just like hanging up the vote for Pedro flyers. And I think it's the funniest thing because like it just dramatically zooms in on him like pulling tape yeah just the way it's shot is very funny to me but i mean oh, yeah. that was one thing i actually really enjoyed about the film was the was the shots like the individual yeah shots. it was like, very good the first time it i saw it work i think it was before i actually took film classes i think that that's part of the enjoyment that i can get out of it now is that i understand more about storytelling more about how to line shots and do all that stuff and i can appreciate the aesthetic choices that were made in these shots and how well they were done yeah it was really well done and you know i feel like the movie was definitely made for our generation it was d it definitely hit us you know yeah yeah so I really love that because like, I feel like all the people we talk to are people our age and yeah, they like it. I haven't met anybody specifically that disliked it except apparently Lilith, but she grew to end up liking it. So yeah. yeah. It grew on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's I just had to grow up, I think. <laughs> to be able to appreciate that this is essentially a coming of age story for like a lot of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. But now I can look back and be like, yeah. 
<laughs> Growing up kind of was like that, being really awkward and then yeah. finding other people that are also awkward that enjoy being awkward with you. And that's why we're the weird kids at the lunch table, because yeah. we just congregated to each other because that's how it works. And we're neurospicy and neurospicy always finds each other. Always. Always. Lucky. Yes. <laughs> Does anybody have any other final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, my final thought is that John Hader is hot. Very. And there's two of him. I know. Double double the fun. <laughs> He's also very married, I think. It's fine. It's a celebrity crush. I'm allowed to look from afar. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have that sort of a uh, Hitachi and twins fantasy. Damn it. Oh, God, no. damn it. God damn it, Lilith. <laughs> oh, we're, we got to go before Watch we get in trouble here. Yeah, I believe we're signing off here. Oh, yeah. So. What was our so final final thoughts for Brittany? Yes, with, uh, John Hader is hot. My final thought is: give me your tots. <laughs> tots are delicious. I will catch you tots a delicious, delicious bass. Is that your final thought, Amber? Yeah. Is that <laughs> ending on a romantic note? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> really threw me a good line there. But yeah, I believe we are signing off here. I think our uh, bell is ringing in the distance, signaling that lunch is over and we got to go back to life. Come chill with us next time at the Weird Kids Lunch Table. Bye. Bye.